This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to Betting Weekly, the tennis podcast brought to you in association with Bet Rivers your hometown sports book. I'm Rory Jawani and joining me for his weekly look at all things tennis is world former world number four and Miami Open tournament director, James Blake. James, how are you today? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me again. No problem. So we'll start on, um, well, we'll look at some of the tennis action in a bit, but there was a fair bit of controversy in Madrid. Um I'm sure some of the viewers, listeners are aware of some of the incidents, but I'll give you a brief sort of crazy of kind of what happened. So some of the main men's matches on the main court, the Manola Santana Stadium, had ball girls, well, women, in fairly revealing outfits, let's say. They did cover up a bit more for the final after the outcry. I think there were some Spanish politicians got involved. I was actually mm-hmm. alerted to the fact that the women's final had some fairly beefy looking blokes acting as, as ball boys as well. So I don't know if that's equality or what, but um, so there was also a grand birthday cake for Carlos Alcaraz presented to him on Manola Santana, a less impressive one for Arena Sabalenka backstage. Late starts for the women as well. Igas Fiontek had one match finishing at 1am, another past midnight. No speeches after the women's doubles final. I think because Victoria Azarenka had been a bit vocal and, not happy with some of the stuff that happened. She and Beatrice had Maya won against Coco Goff and Jessica Pegula, all of them pretty unimpressed. Um, tournament director Feliciano Lopez has been receiving a fair bit of stick. I think he's been pretty unrepentant about it all. You're the tournament director in Miami, an event of similar yeah. standing at 1000. What do you make of all of this? <laughs> well, first of all, it makes me very happy that there was a, <laughs> there's none of this going on in Miami. <laughs> we, had a, we had very, uh, very little in terms of controversy um, in Miami. But um, yeah, I mean, I think each one is is its own separate incident. So, I mean, I think some of them are are kind of nothing. Some of them are a little bigger deals. Um, I th- so since Madrid started, I'm not even sure exactly what year, but back when I was still playing, they they had this idea to have models as the the uh, ball persons. So um, that's been going on for a long time. I think the outfits maybe changed this year. And like you said, I think there were male models for the women's event, women's models for the men's event. And I remember when we first started having those when I was still playing. The big um, uh, the big knock on it was they didn't know what they were doing as uh, as ball people. Now it looks like they're actually skilled. They they've trained. They prepared to be at least um ball people and so that I didn't think that was as big a deal as, as maybe people made it the um the cake same thing I didn't think it was a big deal Carlos is the the number one Spaniard he was playing on that day they're gonna do a big event it's great for the fans it's great for him Sabalenka they still did a cake I mean but it was just backstage she didn't have a match that day um I didn't make much of that the speeches that was to me that was a bigger deal um 
you work your, you know, you work really hard. You, you win a title, you get to the finals of a title. Um, the, first of all, the fans want to hear from you and um, you want to say something. You, you, you owe a lot to the people that um, you want to thank the people that are in your, on your staff, the, you know, your parents, whoever, whoever made the difference in getting you to that finals. It's a lot of hard work. I mean, Fortunately, those four players will have plenty of other instances and instances and have had plenty of other instances where they've been in the winner's circle. Um, but it's not I, I don't I don't understand until I hear a, a good explanation of why um, they were going to have speeches for every other final, but not for the women's final. That just doesn't to me, it doesn't make sense um, as far as the the scheduling. You know, that's one of my most um uh intricate parts of probably the probably one of the more intricate parts of my job is figuring out the schedule of play um day to day but also months in advance we do it with a team with the wta with the atp to come up with uh the master schedule of play and we want to make sure it's fair and um i've been really really fortunate to work with the the great people at the atp and the wta and we come up with um fair and equal amount of time on center court, amount of time on court one, amount of time on Butch Buckle's court, our third court. Um, and we come up, it, it takes a long time. There's nothing, um, and there's no easy way to do it where it's just like, you know, kind of wave a magic wand and it's done. It takes a lot of work. Um, but it's also extremely rewarding when I get to the end of the event and both tours say, you know what, this was fair. And every once in a while, there's a switch, you know, there's, can we trade this one for this one? Because, um, you know, just because this is such a big deal to this, uh, to this player or to this, uh, to this fan base or what we're going to do, but that doesn't happen very often. You stick to what you had planned out months in advance. And um, I'm not sure how Madrid does it. I, I haven't spoken to Feliciano. I haven't heard how they do it, but to have Iga uh, finishing that late, your number one seed, um that's tough to do because i know we always we always try to be fair with that as well because i know players don't want to play late at night um but for the fans um sometimes it's better to see great matches at night but midnight 1 a.m it's not great for recovery um players uh, take it so seriously with being able to get their sleep get their meals in after get their recovery uh, methods whether it's uh, massage uh, treatment acupuncture whatever they need to do it, it takes it takes a while so that it's not fair to, to do that to people over and over again, unless it's what they request. And I, as from, from what Iga has told me when I've uh, dealt with her in Miami, she doesn't like playing at 1am. So I don't think, um, I don't think she requested that it's, it's tough. Um, you know, there's no, there's always going to be someone that's unhappy about the schedule, but for me, it's, it seems to be successful or it seems to, I feel like it's more of a success if I hear it from both sides kind of equally, as opposed to the way it seems this year in, in Madrid, where it was the WTA that was extremely uh, unhappy with the situation. Um, that being said, I don't know what happened all, all the times behind closed doors, but those are the ones that are a bigger deal to me than the cake, you know, <laughs> to think, you know, you, you, you got a smaller cake, but you're, you know, you're not the, the number one Spaniard um, playing on that day. I don't think that was a big deal. Um, the ball kids have been that way. Ball people have been that way for years. I, I think maybe they just happened to notice it this year more. I don't know why, but um, that one I didn't think was as, as big a deal either.
Yeah, I mean, Iga Schwant, she wasn't impressed at playing at 1am because I think she said it in her speech after the final yeah. and, and there was a bit of side-eye from Feliciano Lopez as she said it. So yeah, it was a bit of a bit of fallout. I mean, you give, I mean them the, you give them the mic and they you know, they're, they should be allowed to say whatever they want. I, I, I encourage that. And especially nowadays where you don't even need a microphone. You got a phone. You can you can tweet it out. You can you got millions of followers there and you can let them know you're pleased or displeased with with uh, what's going on. So um i think you you got to give them the opportunity to give them the microphone they, they've earned it they got there um you know i think feliciano obviously being a, a a former player even somewhat current player um if he makes a final he wants to he would want to say something he would think it was it was probably a little unfair if he if he made a final and then doesn't get a chance to address his fans yeah i mean i know from my perspective and looking at the sort of some of the orders of play early on in the tournament did seem a bit weighted towards the men having prime time slots. And 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 I think it's, it's a tricky one because I guess as a tournament director, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. You want the main court full. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably fair to say, well, I think it's indisputable that men's tennis is more popular than women's, te- women's tennis in Madrid in Spain. You know, obviously you've mm-hmm. had Nadal and now you've got Alcaraz. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a balancing act, isn't it? I mean, I think it did look to me like a lot of the WTA matches didn't get as much attention, a higher profile as the men's matches. But then I suppose Lopez could argue, well, it's what the fans want to see. They want to see yeah. the men. Yeah, and I understand that. But that's why I think it's... Um, and look, I, I get plenty of flack for um, at times when you got a match out there and it doesn't seem like it should be the most high-profile match... Um, but it's the way the master schedule of play was from from way in advance, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And upsets happen all the time. So you could have two qualifiers playing in the round of 16, and that's a match that's going to be on the center, as opposed to the other, you know, on the maybe on the men's side, it's been all the top seeds and maybe Americans playing in Miami. And you you have to put one of them out on grandstand, and that's just the way it is. And yeah, I'm going to get grief for that. But in the long run, you got to hope that it's going to balance out because then the next year it could be exactly the same going the other way. You know, it could be, you know, the years we had, you know, Serena, Osaka, Venus, uh, a lot of top, uh, you know, women players. And you know what, at the end of the day, I still remember one of my first years, uh, I had to put Angie Kerber out on an outside court, not even uh, court one or court two on like court six. She was a a two-time Grand Slam champion. She's a former number one in the world at that point. And I got to put her out there on court six because there were so many great women's matches. And I'm going to get flack for that, but I'm also, I'm going to stick to the order of play, the way that we've we've done it, the way that we have to, um, we have to keep it so that we try to be fair to everyone. And she, you know, she had a couple of choice words for me, you know, when she, she came and found me. And um, if she had won the tournament that year, she might've had something to say in in her uh, (laughs) her, uh, final speech. Um, but, and that's, and, and that's okay. You know, it's more, power, more power to them. I, I've, I've had plenty of players, men and women come to me saying, this isn't right. I don't want this schedule this way. This isn't the way it's going to be. And yeah, you're going to, I agree with you playing devil's advocate that if that's what the fans want and that's what, the way they've agreed to it in advance. The one thing that I would say is if they didn't agree to it in advance, if the, if the WTA players didn't know two months before that this is the way the schedule is going to be then it's a little unfair um, because, you know, our, our, our schedule is done. Anyone that wants to see it, this is how we, we map it out. And we know which matches is it going to be a WTA match or an ATP match on center court at this time. 
we know that beforehand. And I think that makes it so that they understand. So, okay, wait a minute. You're the, you're the second night match. That's unfortunate. Well, you know what? Look, this is the way it has to be. It has to be an ATP match tonight. That's where it is. And so these are the choices we have. This is the, the, the one that makes the most sense for the fans. And that's where you have to play. So um, you try to keep the competitive um, advantage to a minimum where you keep players close together. So, you know, if, if player A, the winner of player A, uh, the A match is playing the winner of this B match, you can't have one of them first on and the other one second night match. Because if the one that's uh, first wins quickly and then there's a rain delay and then this other one's playing at 2 a.m., it's not really fair. So you try to you try to minimize that. There's always going to be things that happen. There's rain delays. There's um, injury timeout, whatever. There's longer matches. There's uh, anything can happen, but you try to do your best. And I, I assume Feliciano tried to do his best, and he was trying to make the fans happy, trying to make the players happy. Um, we'll see how it goes next year if there's some changes because – I, I just think being upfront and honest with the players early on and that that being a former player gives you that ability, I think, to to be respected when you're honest with them. When you say, look, this is the way it is. This is the way it has to be. And if he says three months in advance, look, guys, every night the marquee match is going to be a men's match just because it sells more tickets. We have to be uh, aware of what the fans want. And that's just the way it is. And then the women can make the decision. Say, hey, you know, we want to play. We don't want to play. We don't think that's fair. Let's make our voices heard then. I think you get the respect of being honest instead of trying to uh, change things. And, and then the players feel like they're, they're kind of getting the, uh, the wool pulled over their eyes. That's really interesting to hear you say that the sort of shit schedules planned two months in advance. I had no idea yeah. that that would, that, that would, I guess it's. Uh... Believe me, when I first started, I didn't realize how big a deal scheduling was and you see why, because if something goes wrong like this, um you're gonna hear about it for a long time so we that's why we have to be really careful about it and we do it um way in advance and i like i said when i first got there i didn't realize just how important a part of my job that scheduling was going to be but like i said at the end of the day at the end of the tournament it is pretty rewarding to hear from both tours that we feel like we got it right um and that's the way we felt the last couple of years the last few years that we've we've done this so I'm really happy that we do put in that work um, early on, just like any other uh, job or any other um, profession is you put in the work early and you see the results later. So um, it does take work. Congratulations for getting it right this year. <laughs> <Avoiding> <laughs> yeah, we'll see if next year at the end of it, I'm not hearing uh, plenty back backlash on Twitter and wherever else about um, <laughs> I should have been playing this time. You should have been playing this time, you know, but um, which is always going to happen. And I'm OK. You got to have thick skin as a tournament director as well, because you're going to get there's no I haven't been through one event. I've been through five now. I've been through one where I haven't had a couple of players knocking on my door unhappy about something. And um, that's just the way it's going to be. You got to you got to recognize that um there's always gonna you can't i mean the, the old age old saying of you can't please everyone all the time um you, you just you just can't and people are going to be upset because so many of them are isolated especially in an individual sport they expect things to be so tailor-made to their schedule not thinking about the bigger picture and i have to be the one that thinks of the bigger picture and, and what's best for the tournament and what's best for the competitive um outlook of the uh, of the event great well very interesting perspective there on Madrid Open. Let's move on to the actual action, the tennis, and and, and Carlos Alcaraz retained his men's title, beating Jan Leonard Struff in the final. What did you make of his performance? Oh, well, I mean, Alcaraz is 
I mean, so good. It's a, it was a little to, I mean, I don't want to say to be expected because he is still, he just turned 20 years old and we're expecting him to win a masters 1000. Um, that is incredible. Um, but it was more Struff that was the surprise. I mean, getting through uh, all the way to the finals, uh, making a, a definitely a career resurgence um, is awesome. Um, good to see a really nice guy um, and someone that plays hard, plays the right way. And I, I like um, I like seeing him do well. Um, whether he can keep it up, you know, I don't know. He's um, I think he can keep it up being a solid player. I don't know how many more times he's going to make Masters 1000 finals, but I think he can make some more round of 16, more quarters, things like that. Um, and maybe make a, make a good run at the, at the French open, but, um, I like his game, huge serve, uh, really nice backhand and, uh, moves better than you would expect for a bigger guy. So, um, comfortable up at net plays a lot of doubles. I do think there's some guys that that really does help. I think he's one of them that has had success in doubles as well. And that makes you a little more comfortable moving forward. So I like his game. Um, uh, yeah, real happy for him. Yeah, you, you did say you were impressed by him in Miami. Um, yeah. Now the tour's moved on to Rome, and, and Novak mm-hmm. Djokovic is back. And mm-hmm. seeing incredibly, it's the first time he and Alcaraz have been in the same draw since Madrid last year. Um, yeah. And the young Spaniard beat Djokovic in the semis. They could meet him in the final here. How likely do you think that is? I'd say... I, I'd say somewhat unlikely. Um, I'd love to see it. I, I think um, uh, the tennis world would like to see it, them battling it out. They're going to, they've been kind of platooning back and forth, number one in the world, number two in the world uh, a lot because Novak hasn't been allowed to play some events, but um, but still they've been going back and forth. So to have those two um, that have been seen as the best in the world for the last year or so uh, battling it out in a final, that's that's the best thing for tennis, I always think. But Alcaraz coming off of a title, you know, I know he's 20. I know he's in great shape, but at some point, maybe the legs start feeling a little fatigued, especially going into the French Open when you need to be um, as rested as possible. And for Novak coming off an injury, got to see how how healthy he is. And then the other aspect of the rest of the tour is pretty darn good, too. So there's other great players that can have, uh, you know, they can have a good week. They can have a, a great match and, and happen to play their best against uh, against the best in the world. So, um I'd say it'd be, it would be, I mean, it'd be great to see, but I'm going to say somewhat unlikely. I'm going to put it at a, I don't know, one in four, 25% chance that it's those two in the finals. Um, I'd say better than 50% chance that one of them's there though. Um, Cause I think they are, um, they are the two best in the world. And so I think one of them can get through it. it it's, it's still yet to be seen how healthy Novak is and if he's fine, um, then he's definitely a favorite to to go deep in this event. And as uh, as he gets matches under his belt and gets confidence, you know, there's a decent chance he'll be uh, he'll, he'll be in the finals. Still no Rafa Nadal though, and we, we've Rafa, talked about uh, his we've talked about yeah. his Roland Garros chances on here. Yeah, that's a little disappointing to me. I, I really thought we were going to see him in Rome, and then I was gonna I wanted to get that gauge of how healthy he is, of if he's able to play comfortably and move comfortably and. Um, that's a pretty big blow, I think, to his chances at Roland Garros. I still always have thought he's the the favorite no matter what. Um, he's really testing me with that now. With the, If he doesn't play any matches going into Roland Garros and just starts out um, in a three out of five um, uh, Grand Slam. So that's uh, makes it tougher. Um, I'm sure it'll hurt his odds, but I think he... Um, I think he's got a, I still think he'll have a, he'll have a chance if he is healthy going into that. 
Do you think he, he could possibly play one of the 250s the week before? I mean, there's Geneva and Leon, or do you think now he's going to just go straight to Roland Garros? I'd be surprised if he played one of those 250s, um, although it did work for him uh, for Australia last year uh, when he played uh, played a warm-up event right before one of the 250s that he doesn't normally play. Um, I just think for him, if, if he is feeling like he's going to be healthy, um, the most important thing is having a controlled environment where he can keep that health as opposed to going out and you never know if the match, there's a little rain delay or you got to play later or you're playing and, um, and the conditions are a little heavier or whatever. If he's at a, in a situation where it's, you know, borderline, if he can play or, or just not positive, it's better to be in a controlled environment where you know what your practice is going to be. You can stop when you need to stop. You can go harder when you need to go harder. Um, and as far as getting matches in, the guys played thousands of matches <laughs> and so many at Roland Garros that it's not it's not uh, as important for him as it is for someone that's 19 years old or 20 years old that uh, has only played a few matches on tour. He's played enough to know how to work his way into an event. So um, I'm trusting that he'll he'll I would think again. Uh, Totally, uh, totally un, un, you know, this is my only opinion. It's not having no inside information or anything. I would say it would make more sense to, uh, to practice and to, to make sure he's healthy going into Roland Garros instead of playing, uh, one of those lead up events. So if Nadal doesn't make it, which is now a possibility, who do you think for Roland Garros? (laughs) <laughs> oh man that's a tough one because i was i was really sticking to <laughs> that it was gonna be rafa um but i actually think it's it's not i it's tough for me to give an answer because i want to see novak this week i want to see how healthy he is um because if he's healthy and rafa isn't then novak's my pick um but if he comes in and there's still a little bit of question with his health he maybe loses early um and doesn't look sharp um well then it opens the field a little more and putting it on Carlos Alcaraz is is tough um tough to put him at 20 years old to be a favorite um but then again I said that when Rafa Nadal was a favorite at 19 and he went on to win it so um I don't know I really want to see this week this is one time where I don't want to I don't necessarily want to pick someone quite yet I, I think I'm a little more of a wait and see um on this one and then you know, at the end of this event, hopefully I got a better idea of how Novak's feeling. And then uh, then maybe we can make a make a judgment and an estimation. And maybe it's maybe it's a time where this year it's wide open and there's a chance after Rafa has dominated for so long that there's a, a, a field where you can say, hey, this is more of a um, take a chance on a long shot. Because if Novak isn't as healthy, if Rafa isn't as healthy, Alcaraz is still 20 years old. He's a, he's playing incredible, but. Um, he is only 20, so maybe it's a chance, um, you know, guys like Sinner, maybe, a, you know, I don't think Medvedev on the clay, but, um, you know, there's there's uh, plenty of other guys that have an, oppor- have an opportunity and have, have played well um, it, it, at the French and just not not actually won it. I mean, there's a few other guys that are still injured and not feel, not up to it, where like guys like Diego Schwartzman, team, not back to where he was, even though a few years ago it looked like when Rafa – ended his dominance team was the kind of guy that could win uh the french open and he hasn't quite looked the same like that um andy murray looked great winning a challenger which is awesome but i still don't put him at his age and the way his body what his body's been through as as a a guy that has a chance but 
to go through seven three out of five set matches. But there's there's other guys that that um that do have hopefully opportunities. Yeah, let's I mean let's go back to Rome. You know, we talked about obviously Madrid, you had the altitude helping the bigger hitters, much slower conditions in Italy, uh, in the Italian mm-hmm. capital and more conventional play court conditions. Looks like we're going to get a load of rain delays as well, so there's going to be disruption. Um, who do you yeah. fancy for this tournament? Uh, I mean... It's tough. It is tough because we don't know about Novak. Carlos could be not fully fit after Madrid. We look yeah. at someone like a Sinner or a Sitsipas or... Yeah, Sitsipas. I think Sitsipas has a great uh, great chance. I always go with Sinner. You know, you know that he's he's been my pick for so long. Um yeah, I'm gonna go. I, I like those those two picks, Sinner, Sitsipas. Um, still hoping, and this is just kind of a homer kind of thing that one of the Americans can break through and get to maybe a semi or so between Corda, um, Tiafo, Fritz, um, even Ben Shelton, Tommy Paul, um, yeah, Cressy. Um, so I'd like to see them uh, do well. Um, haven't seen as much out of Hubie Hercotch doing well on the clay. Um, you'd love to see him make a little bit of a run. I don't think he's a, a threat to win the title, but maybe a round of 16 quarters uh, out of him and like to see that. But um, yeah, um, I go with, I'm going to try to maybe say, I'll, I'll go with, if I'm, if I'm going to pick one, I'll go with Sitsipas. Um, if it's not Djokovic or Alcaraz, I'm going to go with Sitsipas having a, having a chance to to play well because he does uh have a lot um a lot of success on the clay i feel like this is a little more conventional clay and for him to get uh that kind of confidence going into the french open he's another one of those guys that could win the french open um obviously close the year uh he lost to djokovic so um i think for him it would be a good statement to to do well here to put him in a position to be one of the one of the favorites if um if nadal isn't healthy djokovic isn't healthy um going into the french open but not Andy Murray. I mean, he he played really well in X on Provence. So he beat Tommy I mean, Paul in the final. Andy, Andy Murray is one of my favorite people to watch. One of my <laughs> favorite people off the court. Um, great guy. So happy that he's still playing and still playing well. Just seven three out of five set matches at his age with a metal hip. It's tough, it's tough to see that it's going to be that it's possible. I mean, I'd love to. Uh, Believe me, I would love to be wrong about that and and see him holding a trophy. Um, I mean, just what it would mean for his career um, and put him right back in where where he, where he belongs, probably being a part of that big four instead of the the big three. Um, but I just it's tough to tough to see. How about Rome? I mean, he's playing Fabio Fognini later. God knows what the combined age there is. I mean, they've both been around for a long time. But so, could he go yeah. deep in this in this tournament, perhaps? I think so. I think it's it's more of a chance to go a little deeper uh, when it's two out of three sets, um, and especially these ten day events where there is actually a little more rest time um, as opposed to packing that into one week where you're playing just about every day um, and the turnaround is so quick for a guy his age. Um, so I think uh, Rome is probably his best chance um, to do well since it's since it is a ten day event. Playing Fonini, another guy that probably has plenty of aches and pains, but um, Fonini is also an emotional player and playing in Rome, there can be some volatility because you never know. <laughs> he could be in the best mood and really uh, giving the fans something to cheer for, or he could be frustrated by all the added pressure and all the added ticket requests and all the added um, 
everything else going around uh, the, the, the expectations of him in Rome. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but those guys know each other very well. They've played a ton of times. Um, so uh, I think it'll be fun to see. And, and Andy Murray now fresh off of a title, having some confidence. I would pick him uh, as a favorite, but um, you never know with Fonini. You never know. I, 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 the swear count might be high. I mean, I think there might be a few curse Between the words. two of them, yeah. Yeah, they, both I mean, of them. They, they both have some uh, some choice words sometimes <laughs> on court. So. Um, but both, it's it's so funny. Both of them can be like that on the court and both of them, some of the nice, two of the nicest guys off the court. So um, it's just what pressure and that, that kind of environment can do to you. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the women. An amazing final in Madrid. I mean, we talked about all the, the other stuff around the tournament, but Arena Sabalenka beating Igor Sviontek in three sets. Something you said was, was very possible, given the con- yeah. the conditions. I mean, what conclusions can you draw from that match? I mean, I thought Sviontek played really well. I thought, you know... Yeah, just- I think that was... That was the best chance for Sabalenka was was playing great um, where there's altitude and, and hitting kind of through the court. Um, she did... I think she did everything right. Um, so that's her best chance. That's, that's honestly her best chance in any, in, in any clay court event, um, against Sviantec, but I think it just, the task becomes more difficult, uh, in Rome and then even more difficult possibly, uh, in Paris. So, um, she's got a blueprint of how to do it, but I think the conditions in Madrid made it much more possible and much more likely that she could do that there. Um, but as far as, um, Sviantec, I wouldn't be too disappointed if I was her, cause I think, um, for her, that was going to be the toughest uh, clay court event for her to win because of the the quicker conditions. So I think going into Rome, she should still be extremely confident. Going into the French Open, she should be even more confident. So um, I like her chances. And I would just say, um, you know, maybe managing the uh, the output in terms of energy. If um, if she feels like uh, uh, French Open is even more important, then see how it goes in, in, uh, in Rome. But I think... Um, I think she's in great shape. I think now that she's back from injury, just kind of making sure that that's as as good as it can be. Sabalenka is playing awesome, and she's uh, she's doing everything she can to to you know make it a real rivalry between her and Sviantec. And I think that's fun. That's fun for the sport when there's um you know, when there's the the rivalry between one and two, and um and who's going to win this time, and are we going to get to see this matchup? And so I like um I like seeing that. There's going to be some other um. There's going to be some other challengers, I'm sure, uh, going into Rome and and uh, and the French Open. But I really want to see Coco Golf have a kind of bounce back tournament in Rome. Uh, that was a not the the best way for her to go out in um, in Madrid, and so I'd like to see her bounce back. And again, that those quicker conditions maybe weren't as good for her. The slower, the better, I think, for her. Um, so Rome, I think, will be a little better, and then Paris, hopefully, even better for her. But I'd love to see her bounce back and show what she really can do on the clay. Yeah, of course, Sabalenka and Sviontek could meet again in, in the final here. And you mentioned Goff, who's in the bottom half, which is definitely the place to be. I mean, is there anyone else in the draw you think might go deep? I mean, I guess Jessica Pagula, these conditions just won't suit her really, will they? No, but I still feel like you you just pencil her into the quarterfinals. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's pretty amazing how consistent she can be. Um, and then, let me see, I look at some of the draws here. We got... Um, uh down the back up top um soccery um had a good run Sakari. in madrid did really well Still played yeah really well. yeah um 
you know who's who sometimes i mean it's surprising she's rarely picked but she's so up because she's so up and down i think is ostapenko um she's actually played pretty well this year um she's obviously had her run-ins with the the umpires or the the everyone uh, everyone electronic scoring electronic <laughs> line calling she's still trying to overrule but um aside from what goes on um off the court or um or uh, when she's you know in between points she's hitting the ball great um and obviously she's won the french open before and that's been a um that was kind of a one uh one and done in terms of slams but she's she's said uh i think that she expects to win more and you can see you can see how much she expects to win every match she plays um but i think she's um she's a chance to do well when she's got time to to step into her shots and and rip and and rome is rome is the type of condition that she can uh she can make a run possibly and and see if she's got that same kind of magic one more time in paris i i would I would not say that she does. I wouldn't say that she's got the ability to win it again, but she is the type of player that can get hot and beat just about anyone in the world. I really thought she had a chance in Miami this year. And I, I did too. To um, yeah, yeah. She she was playing great early on. Um, she was in singles and doubles, which as a tournament director is uh, extremely frustrating at times because that that does throw a little monkey wrench into the into the scheduling when you want to put a a top player on at, you know, seven o'clock at night or something, but wait, they've got doubles. Okay. So now they got to play early and then they got to play their doubles later. So um, as much as we love having the singles players on uh, play doubles, it, it can be a, a little tricky in terms of scheduling, but, um, but yeah, she was doing well in both and she's, you know, just gaining more and more confidence. And um, I think it shows when she's on the court, how confident she is. Yeah. She, you can tell, you can tell pretty much straight away where your Savenko's player, whether she's in the mood or not. She's a, uh, yeah. She's uh she's uh, interesting to watch. It's never never dull. Uh James, yeah. thanks, thanks very much again for That's joining great. us. And uh, thanks again for your insights on on life as a tournament director and, and what <laughs> and maybe you have some sympathy and for what Feliciana Lopez has been Absolutely. going through. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, James. So there are four ways to follow us here on uh, Betting Weekly. We're on, on YouTube, you're on the Bet Rivers Network. Like, comment, and subscribe. Of course, you can get us on the podcast on your preferred podcast provider. We're already the top tennis betting podcast and we want to become the top tennis podcast full stop. Uh, and of course, you can follow us on other social media on Twitter at Because We Win and on Instagram with the same handle at Because We Win. And uh, of course, we've got two great tournaments, ATP and WTA in Rome. Hopefully not too many rain delays, but uh, of course, when you have a bet with Bet Rivers, you can watch the action streamed live. If you're having a bet, good luck. Thanks again to James, and we'll be back next week. Maybe it'll be Nigel, maybe it'll be me, not sure. But, but James will definitely be back next week <laughs> uh, for another <laughs> episode of Betting Weekly. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. 